You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello and welcome to Modern Musicology. My name is Alan. I am here with my regular co-host, Anthony. What's going on, dude? Hey, doing good, thank you. How are you, Alan? I'm great. And Rob. Word up. We are going to be talking tonight about girl groups. And because we're three dudes, we figured we'd better get somebody on our show who has actually been in a girl group. (laughs) So, Stephanie Seymour, former drummer of the Aquanettas, welcome back to our show. Thank you. I'm so glad that you wanted me to come back. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) We're delighted to have you back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We are going to be talking about the whole issue of girl groups. What does that mean? Should it be, should it be labeled like that? You know, who are our favorites? That kind of thing. Before we do though, I'm anxious to know from each of you what you've been listening to and or reading or watching this past week. Rob, you want to kick us off? Since it's girl band week, uh, I do want to mention a band called Mama. Um, they, their first album uh, is a concept album, actually, and uh, it's called Household. So that's really, really good. And uh, also Angel Olsen, who used to play outside the record store I worked at, uh, has a new album out called Big Time. Uh, and that's very good from Leeds sort of that jangle pop kind oh, of thing. Yeah. Their, their, their one and only album has been reissued on a, as a three-album set, and I'm the only person who cares. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and then two other ones, which are both interesting to both of my other co-hosts. Uh, the first is the 1981, who are from Oakland, and uh, they have a new album called Variants, featuring a cover of Sparks, the number one song in heaven. See how we wow. did that there? And oh also, Alan, I was, I, you cannot imagine this, how, how delightful I was. This just came in the mail to me randomly. There's a band from Chicago, and they're called the Axons. And um, what? the album, yes. <laughs> and it's called I Object to Everything. And it's like really jangly. <laughs> it's really jangle pop, and it's great. And regardless of what they called themselves, I'd still like it. But um, yeah, the, the fact That's- that I got that in the 1981 on the same day, um, I, mm-hmm. I look upon that as an epiphany. So all I need now is for Jarvis Cocker to come on the show and everything will be great. <laughs> well, Good we better work that. on that. <laughs> yeah, Stephanie, Stephanie, get on that. Yeah, I'll get right on that. Jarvis on the phone. <laughs> Was it, well, you worked at Island. <laughs> no, not, but I didn't work. Um, that's pulp, right? I didn't work them. I, it was after my time. It must've been or before. Yeah, it was some, it was after my time at Island. That well, was, it was nice. Having, it was nice having you on the show. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I did see Pulp live, though. <laughs> well, there were no Aquanetas. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Anthony, what's going on in your world this past week? So three things. I'm still on an absolutely huge porcupine tree binge. Um, <laughs> they dropped a new... I, th- I think I mentioned it. They dropped a new song a couple of weeks back, and that's been heavy on rotation. I'm really excited about seeing them in September. Um, so they're going to continue to get heavy rotation for me for the next three or so months. Um, on top of that, my guys in Ailstorm dropped a new single called The Cape, uh, the Battle of Cape Fear River. Nice. And, you know, it's extremely <laughs> immature pirate metal. I mean, the chorus is literally, I'm a fucking pirate. pirate. It's amazing. <laughs> is this something? Are you? Yeah. It's a thing these days. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. And then lastly, I've been revisiting an album that was made under a pseudonym by Dan the Automator with Mike Patton and Jennifer Charles called Lovage, Music to Make Love to Your Old Lady By, <laughs> which is, again, utterly, utterly bizarre. It's a kind of trip hop album um, that they did, and it's spectacular. It's really weird and... Uh, reminding myself of its existence has just made me so happy this week. 
That is hilarious. Stephanie, what's been in your ears or your eyes well, lately? Like I was telling you, I started work this past week, so I have barely been doing anything. But I have been listening to a new album by Jane Lee Hooker. Um, speaking of the girl group thing, now they're actually not all girls in this current uh, lineup. They're, they have a guy drummer now, Ron, who's awesome. Um, but they were uh, for a couple albums, you know, all female. But their new album is called Rollin'. And they just, if you don't know who they are, just pick, pick the album up. It's so great. Just came out. They're on tour. They're on tour in the States now, but I think they're going to Europe next week. They're some of my, two of my old friends from a band called The Wives. They were like a hardcore kind of, yeah. And we used to play with them all the time. They used to throw us on bills together at the Continental Divide, even though we sounded nothing alike. Um, so it's it's Tracy who used to play drums in The Wives, but she's now playing lead guitar along with Tina Gorin in... Um, Jane Lee Hooker and Mary from the wives who's a bass player. Uh, so, and again, I just, th the album is like rock soul blues kind of all mixed into one Tina and Tracy trade off leads. They're amazing guitar players. Dana has a voice to die for. She never, there is not ever a bad note out of that girl's mouth. She's wonderful. They're, they're just such a great band. So I go get rolling. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned um, one of the things that I featured was a new single by The Fix, and it's called Closer, and it's just got that classic Fix sound from what you think of when you think of The Fix from the 80s, and the new album just came out on Friday, and so I've been giving that some listens. Um, I've had sort of a super busy weekend. I haven't been able to focus a whole lot on this, but what I've heard of it, I'm really liking. I listened to every song once and I've gotten through a couple of listens on a few other ones. Closer is still my favorite song on it. Um, but I'm sure that once I listen to it a little bit more, I'm going to, uh, you know, discover some, some more gems that I'm really into. And I gotta say the other thing that I've been spending some time with this week, because I was just all over the bandwagon and that is stranger things giving that big push to Kate Bush this, this past mm -hmm. week. And I'm an enormous fan of Kate Bush and have been since 85 or so and worship at the altar of the goddess. And so it's just been so much fun to see like the rest of the world, like discovering Kate Bush and like, oh my gosh, this new song that I've never heard before. And, you know, you have to educate the young, you know, in, in these matters. So uh, we're going to have to do a Kate Bush episode at some point. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, I demand I, it. Yeah, I put that on the <laughs> schedule thing. Okay, you should good. have my friend Richie on uh, as a guest on that one because he has the best Kate Bush story ever of all time. Ooh. <laughs> it's the all most right. funny story. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to have to hear that. Yeah. All right. Um, really, really quickly, I also want to uh, give a little shout out to, uh, I hate that we sort of like have obituaries at the top of every show lately but ken kelly uh cover artist and magazine cover artist for decades mostly known for his uh, work illustrating conan the barbarian and tarzan and figures like that um but also has quite a pedigree in the rock and roll world doing cover art for certain bands he did six albums for man of war but they're really sort of like um you know, like rock versions of what he was already doing with Tarzan and Conan and that kind of, it's very much in that Frank Frazetta sort of school of art, which he's actually related to Frank. So it, it comes naturally to him. But the first album I ever owned, other than like a KTEL collection of today's hits from the 70s or whatever, was Love Gun by Kiss. And Mr. Kelly did the cover art, famously did the cover art for Kiss's Destroyer and Love Gun albums. Incredible covers. Mm -hmm. And most people think of the Destroyer cover as the iconic one, but I actually love the Love Gun one much more. My favorite Ken Kelly cover of all, though, is Rainbow Rising. Anthony, right. I know, that I know that's one that you love. Hold the rainbow like on the cover and <laughs> doesn't quite come across very well. And it's going to sound even more confusing to our listeners who can't right. really see what I'm doing by putting my fist up in the air. <laughs> but yes, yes, that's a fantastic cover as well. Oh my God, it's so dramatic. 
and just got so much power to it. Uh, so um, Ken Kelly uh, passed away earlier this week after a long, long career, and um, he will be definitely missed. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back in 30 seconds, and we'll kick up our discussion on girl groups with our guest, Stephanie. Be right back. I'm Mark McCray, the author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. And if you're not listening to our podcast, then you're missing out on amazing interviews with Larry Houston, Tom Tatawanovich, Keone Young, Michael Swanigan, Ned Hastings, Bill Gallier, Dan Gilvazan, Rob Lamb, and so many others. Kick back and let Dan Clink and I peel back the curtain on the animation industry. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast can be found on the ESO Network and all podcasting platforms. We're talking about basically women in music and why the industry insists on using separatist language. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to know from each of you, when you hear the phrase girl group, what comes to mind? Like, what's the image that it conjures? It, it's funny because sometimes when I hear the phrase girl group, I really think I flash back to like the 60s girl groups. Like, That's exactly you know, like what Monets, I do too. That kind of thing. When I hear, so that's when I hear just girl group. If I hear all girl band or something like that, that's when I think of the more modern kind of all yeah. female bands or whatever. Um, but, you know, so that's that's just like the first thing that flashes into my mind when I hear girl group. And I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily always hear it as like a derogatory thing. But I mean, yes, I I, I have mixed feelings and I'll, I'll go into that after. But go. I'm looking forward to hearing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of the same way, though. I mean, it's like, I think it's that alliteration, you know, that sort of makes it sort of rhymey, sort of sing-songy, and it kind of like puts a certain image in your mind, girl group and boy band. Yeah. You know, it it sort of sounds, it's it brings up the image of the manufactured, you know? Yeah. The girl groups of the 60s, the Supremes and those kind of things where it's, yeah. in, in that case, Barry Gordy, but in the case of like boy bands with the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, it's, a, it's some producer auditioning people the songs are written they're just filling the slots of the number of people and, and so it that's the sort of connotation that it yeah. sort of lends to me yeah and i think i'm on the same page as you there alan my immediate thought when we were originally doing this was spice girls i mean <laughs> i'm gonna make everyone feel I old them. being really yes how cool um but <laughs> You know, I, I was a 90s kid and, okay. you know, for, for me, Spice Girls were the ones who came along and revived the kind of manufactured girl group formula that basically been dead since, I guess, Bananarama. And then there were all those. That's one of my bands that I'm going all... to talk about today. <laughs> Good. All, all, all of those kind of copycat ones that kind of yeah. took their cue from the Spice Girls, All Saints, Bewitched, Atomic Kitten. Right. Blah, 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 blah. The, right. That's what I think of as girl groups. Like bands like the Go-Go's, I think of bands that happen to be made up right. of women, but I don't think of them as girl groups per se. Right. Like to me, it's got a very like specific kind of very commercialized mm -hmm. connotation yeah. to it. You know, for me, uh, I grew up in a house where my brother was playing, you know, a lot of you know, 50s, 60s girl groups. And my dad was um, very much a product of the 40s. So I was getting the Andrew sisters and things. And so the longest time hearing the phrase girl group wasn't a big thing for me. Um, but like, I, it, it, in a way, we have to blame, uh, you know, old school radio marketing people for this because when they were, when doo-wop, back in the day when doo-wop was big, kids ask your grandparents, um, they would, they would, say a band is like an all boy band. And then if there was a, a, a doo-wop band that had women in it, it was an all girl group band. And that's kind of how this labeling kind of got um, stuck into like the zeitgeist of, you know, American popular music. But I, I tend to, when I think my personal introduction to it, I think of those two. And then being an eighties kid, you know, I go to the boredoms and Shonen knife and yeah. Fuzzbox and Bananarama Um and things like that. And then later, you know, the Riot Girl movement. Um, and now into like Sleater Kinney and, and things like that. Um, I, I, I tend to think of it as like, okay, it's a girl group, 
meaning that it's different in that it's like when I hear that, like like now, and they say, "Oh, it's an it's a girl group or an all girl group." I think I immediately think they're going to sound like they're angry about something, which is a horrible way to go into it. Wow. But that is the way. No, that is the construct yeah. in which their music has been presented for over seven decades. So that is part of the problem. So I purposely have to go into like when back when I got the Spice Girls CD from a radio promoter person, uh, I'd be like, "Oh, I wonder what they're mad about," and then, "Oh, they're not mad." <laughs> Because I remember, I remember I called you and you're like, they're not mad about anything. And I just thought it was really <laughs> weird. I just thought it was really weird because it went back, it was a throwback to like what it used to be like. So right. sadly, that is what I think of. And it's totally wrong and, and dumb. But uh, no, I mean, that's interesting. <laughs> it's actually interesting that you think, I mean, that's just what comes to mind when you think about that. So Stephanie, tell me about your feelings. You have some interesting feelings about this matter. Having lived the life. So what, yeah. what is and, and I'm curious to know, to like add on to this, we talked a little bit last time you were with us about how the Aquanetas, when you were signed to IRS, were marketed. So I'm curious to know, was, was the all-girl angle really pushed in the way that IRS marketed the group? Or was it more like an, an implicit thing by saying they're going to be the next Go-Go's or whatever? I mean, I don't. Look, I don't know. I wasn't in the room when they when they were calling radio or or promoting our video. I don't know what they said to programmer or Rob would, right? We, we talked about this once. Go ahead. We'll, we'll get yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I I feel like um you know, I'm sure they had to, I'm sure they mentioned it. Look, like we were the other we followed the Go-Go's on their label, right? So like we were we were the other all-girl band. <laughs> um to me and as I said this, I think on the last show, like I, I always thought of myself as just a person in a band and we happened to be four girls that were in a band together because, you know, before before Claudine and I joined the band, they actually had guys in their band. And that's sort of like how Jane Lee Hooker, you know, is now like they mm -hmm. they were all girl. Now they're there's like, you know, a guy in their band. And it's just because people are people. So um, but, you know, it's funny because I was thinking I don't want to be labeled like there shouldn't be it shouldn't be a label of like, this is an all girl band or, right? because you never say, obviously this is an all boy band unless again, the derogatory, like that's backstreet boys or, or, or like right. new, new kids on the block. Like that's kind of a derogatory boy band term, you know? Um, but I am kind of hypocritical because I was realizing as I was thinking about all this, that when I sent out my pitch letter for, for to radio for my new single, I actually said in my in the paragraph about my you know my bio history or whatever like that I was in an all female New York City based band called the Aquanetas. So like I use that term. So I feel like I'm torn kind of because it is it is it's not like a selling point. I don't look at it as a selling point. I look at about I look at it like it's a point of interest. And yeah. why is that though? It's like right. Yeah. Right, exactly. So why is male the sort of like right, default? Default, right? And and why is is women the exception? Yeah, and, and the freak the, show. The, exactly, <laughs> the interesting <laughs> angle. You right, know? I know. Why and I even I not even have a dichotomy like you know about there's I'm like torn about that. So I yeah. don't know what to say. I don't have an answer. I just I I guess you know this it's just like a larger it's just a microcosm of a larger thing of society really then i was also thinking of like you know there's there are are all girl bands and then there's like kind of bands that are driven by females like uh yeah. like member like whole i don't think they were all yeah. girl but that was really you know right dominated mm -hmm. by or um i want to think of who's the two girls um who did eight arms to hold you. Oh my God. Um, erg. anyway, like that, like they're definitely dominated by uh, women. Veruca Salt. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. I love that album. Eight arms, and to, I should eight arms to hold you. Stephanie, this reminds me of, uh, when the Aquanetta's record came out and, uh, you said, Hey, when network sends you the record, let me know. Mm -hmm. And I, and I called you and you made me send you all of the mm -hmm. promotional I stuff. Did. Yeah, because I sent you the press release because oh, okay. you wanted to check up on the on on how they were. Uh, yeah, so I sent. I remember I sent you the press photo. Uh -huh. I wish I still had that. The little oh, I have plenty. <laughs> yeah, and then the the letter, you know, the letter that comes with it, right? right. Um, 
And I remember you wanted to know about that because you were concerned about the whole the way people were presenting all girl bands. Mm, just, uh. Right. I do remember that. Wow. I, I know now when I see a lot of um, promo kits, you know, come with come with records or even digitally, they'll say like all girl thing. One of the reasons and, and, and I get these from people that are from marketing companies that are run by women. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the re I, and I and I asked about this because I, I had a feeling this would come up on the show this week. I asked somebody I know who runs a company and she's like, well, there are more and more shows now than there were in the 80s or the 90s. And thankfully, this is right with both college radio and independent radio where the DJs are women. I've noticed and there, that, too. And yeah. there are more shows where the programmers want to find girl, you know, not necessarily all girl bands, but music that is either a female singer songwriter or fronted by women. And that is sort of one of the benchmarks that they do that for. But also I tended to look upon that in, in, you know, the late eighties and nineties, um, much more than before the whole digital thing with music, I tended to look upon if they put all girl band that they just wanted to have some sort of a distinction Mm -hmm. um, that this was something that wasn't your ordinary college radio band, because after a while, um, a lot of the stuff did sort of sound the same, you know, a lot of it really sort of, yeah, you know, sounded yeah. like either REM later or Nirvana. Right. And I think, right. I think it was tended to be used as a distinction, but also that, but now I think that that mark of distinction has kind of changed. Um, but I also think it's, I also think too, that's used a little bit more defiantly now too. Like we're an all girl band, right? Um, like with the Linda Lindas, I remember seeing some, some press stuff I got for radio with that saying they are proudly an all girl band, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's very much a mark of distinction and uh, sort of a battle cry kind of sadly. Um, that's kind of how I look upon that phrasing as someone who just plays records on the radio for nine people. So yeah. <laughs> nine people nine. <laughs> i i also wonder and stephanie and rob are a lot more experienced in the music industry than i am um so this is really looking in as as a fan of music rather than someone who has inside experience but it's always come across to me that the music industry has been a historically a very very male dominated industry particularly on the kind of corporate side and to your point, we're seeing more and more female DJs. We're seeing more and more female executives at record labels. And I'm wondering if this is also driving the push to recognize and make female bands a lot more visible. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of tends to, if that's the case, it kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of the societal conversation that we're having about increasing equity and so on. And Rob, you're giving me a look, so I think you're about to. No, I was going to step. No, I was going to let Stephanie go first. Well, <laughs> it's interesting because when I've been like I, to Ro to Rob's point too, and also yours, I, I mean, I think that you know when I've been calling around for my own for my new single, um, I do notice what you were saying. There's a lot more um, female DJs and music directors, um, and there's a lot more shows like specialty shows that are really. Um, you know, made up of female artists specifically. So I do think that that is maybe why now and, and, you know, to give voice also, like you were saying to the fact that, you know, we're here. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'd like to think too, that a lot of it is through creative dynamics. I mean, I'd like to think that it's just, there's more women that have been motivated to get into making music and that the, uh, this is horribly naive, but that the doors are open and that mm -hmm. the opportunity to have the records played is, is more than it used to be. I think having digital access to music has opened up doors that it didn't open right. 10 or 20 years ago. But I think that also, too, um, I think record labels have realized that they were terrible at marketing, you know, female artists um, that had any kind of an edge to them. So I think that almost by osmosis, they just said, well, if we can't figure it out, we got to hire somebody, you know? And I think that, I, I don't think that we have the more, the, the more people in the industry now, just because they need, oh, we need more people in the industry. I think people have earned it. And that I'm, I'm hoping anyway, yeah. more people have earned it and more eyes have been open to it. Right. right. That's what yeah. I'd like to think. But I, you know, 
um, looking at the charts, the history of like the music charts in the last you know three years, because I was really bored this week. There's more female artists on it than there than there are male artists. So I I I, I really think that um, doors opened, and I I I want to think that it was just a wake up call that people need to do this, and I want I want to hope that there's more you know, people of diverse people in, in the industry than just specifically men or women. I just want it to be like this ever present expansion of divergent voices because I think music is richer that way and our culture is. Um, but I think specifically with, with like female artists and female people at labels and things, I think that it sort of started on this grassroots level where girls in bands, girls were making records and getting in bands and then they got older and didn't want to do it anymore so they got into publishing or songwriting or label jobs and then they start i i want to think it's a progression like that i'm hope i i hope i'm right stephanie i think you're familiar with Lori majewski she's a dj she uh, used to be a, a journalist oh, for yeah. lots of different magazines she has a couple of different shows on sirius xm currently one of mm -hmm. them fierce women and mm -hmm. she is always an advocate for uh more women voices in the music industry and not only what we've been talking about, but more women producers, more mm. women engineers, that kind of thing. Yeah. How do you encourage that? And how do you like celebrate that and point that out when it happens without using that kind of separatist language without saying, you know, without like putting them in a separate category? I mean, maybe for now we can't, you know, maybe yeah. it's just the way we were at the point where we're in, we're at that transition phase where we're, we have to say it and, you know, let everybody know that that's happening. And this can be, op there can be those opportunities for women, just as they, just as much as there are for men. And maybe one day we'll get to the point where it won't be. And, and, and maybe that's going to be like, you know, in, you know, for every overall too. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think we we still have to be be talking about it, and I don't think it's a mm -hmm. bad thing. I, I I just think that you know it's just going to open the doors, like what Rob was saying, yeah. for more and more people. Right, but you know, I mean, like, and I think I do think that there are, are so many more women involved currently. You know, and I think back to like when Pat Benatar's first album, two mm. albums came out, and you know, and they sort of like, you know, kind of did the the sexy almost slutty kind of images yeah. to, to promote her. And, you know, and, and I remember th this is a little off topic, but I remember a quote from her one time where she said, it always blew my mind that they thought they could turn uh, a skinny flat chested buck tooth girl into a sex symbol. <laughs> but I mean, that's what they thought they had to do. Well, to look sell at heart. Records. I mean, look what they did with heart. And that's why they wrote Barracuda, which is like so yeah. amazing that that yes. is because of what, you know, and that was such a huge hit for them. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it, it has to be done in a way that isn't exploitative. Right. You know, that is, that is embracing and celebratory and that kind of thing. Yes, it, it's exactly. It can't be derogatory. It can't be like, oh, here's a little pet project for your little female, you know, like whatever, <laughs> right? right? It has to, right. It's, gonna, it's just got to be like, you can do this job too because you're a person. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering as a solo artist now coming from that background, um, what is what are you seeing in the marketplace now? Like you have a new single out and you're marketing that. And mm -hmm. so what, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing in, in this area? Well, I think just for being a, a not signed, you know, like an unsigned artist, that, that, that's my challenge really. I don't feel like it's the female thing and, and, um, is, is like a detriment to me. Um, I kind of remember what I was going to say before, and it has to do with this, is that I don't know, Rob, you said you were looking at charts and you said you were seeing more um, females on the charts and that very well might be true, but I still don't, you do, don't, do you think that at, at larger stations, like more commercial stations, the ones that are owned by like clear channel or whatever, those have a certain quota, right. Of, of we can only play a female or maybe it's a country stations that are more like that. Is that I, right? Or I, you know, I don't having utterly been a failure commercial radio. Um, I, I looked at the pop charts when I was talking about the mm. charts. I was referring to like, you know, just oh. flat out old, old school pop charts. 
because I think that's what the average person kind of looks at. Looking mm-hmm. at specialty radio charts, it's kind of mixed. I don't necessarily think that like they necessarily do a quota for it. Right. I don't think ch- charts like CMJ, you know, used to do a quota. But I do, I do think that um, it is not inconceivable that some stations will tell their their DJs, you know, hey, you got to play, you know, three or four artists every every show that are female, or you have to play a certain number. That would not surprise me. But, yeah, um, or, and you can't play more than that kind that's, of thing. That's you know? more of the thing to me if there's yeah. a ceiling on that. Yeah, there's a quote. There's like you cannot yeah. play more, than, and that's and with I, country radio. I, well, I. Um, Obviously, I listen to so little country music, uh, <laughs> country too. music radio. But I think you know. I think the other the other issue with it is commercial stations aren't really trying. The ones that I hear now, I don't live on a coast, so on the coast, I think it's a different subject. But um, I don't hear a lot of female band voices on commercial alternative radio, right? Um, but at the same time, I don't hear a lot of bands that I'm necessarily prone to listen to on, you know, unless you're like, you know, 21 Pilots or Three Doors Down or screaming like, you know, something like that. I don't think you get a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think that it, it, I mean, Wet Leg is kind of changing that because Wet Leg is getting a ton of play on commercial alternative radio. But that was only by the label, as I'm sure you understand how this how, the label basically busted that record so hard at college yeah. and independent radio that yeah. it had, that it kind of does that. Yeah. So I still think in many instances it's forced. Um, and it's it, the, the access is not necessarily there, but mm-hmm. I do think that one digital media completely changes that. Um, and two, I also think that it's, um, it's just DJs don't have preference to play what they want. I think right. that's, you know, that's another thing. Yeah, that's what I've been noticing too. You know, um, except that I've been trying to now go for like the low power station, low power FM, and um, just the more freeform ones. And that I find they're pretty much open to whatever, which is great. That's awesome. So, so tell us a little bit about how. Okay, so the the new single is "There Was a Time." Yes. I, it's fantastic. And every time I listen to it, it gets stuck in my head for literally a week. As you're an indie artist and promoting your 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 single, how what are some of the things that you've seen happen over the past couple of months, and you know some of the successes that you've had with it? Um, I was super fortunate to. Can I just say one thing, Rob, Rob? I don't know if you even know this. You were Rob was the first person to play my record really? in the whole like ever of this new song. You were the number. You were number really? one. Yep. Yay, because Rob! I, you get you get it. You get it. You, 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 I sent it out kind of early to in January before it came out in February, before the official release date. I don't really know how we do that with digital releases anymore, but I, I learned the hard way. You don't. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, so you were the first person to play it. Um, I was also, so I've, I had super great support from like you, from my friend, Fran Freed at Cygnus Radio, which is, she's been, was pl- she literally played the song for like two and a half months straight for on every show of hers. It was amazing. And uh, Palmyra at Sirius radio really is just he- been a huge support. So I had some, and some others. So I had some core stations, you know, core people that I could send out in my letter saying these people are playing it. And then it just sort of like snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And, um, you know, I can say Palmyra is one of the first people to play it and she's still playing it you know she just spun it the other like day so um there i have people i've like that and then i and then i have a lot of um 
building off the other stations that, you know, I'll send that out in my letter, like who's played it so far. And then, you know, but it really, I feel like it's mostly just getting people to listen to it. That's a really hard part. And if they listen to it and they hear it, generally they, they want to play it. Yeah. And I think part of it too, is that more and more people that um, do radio are not looking at what other people are playing. At least mm-hmm. I, I don't really look at like, who's playing what necessarily. I just go by what I like. Right. Um, and then if I have to look at it, I will. Now, I'm not commercial. So I think if you're in commercial right. or, or on a larger audience, then I think you do. But I think I think the advantage of songs like yours have is that earworm factor does help, but it also has a word of mouth thing going on, right? Mm-hmm. But not necessarily by mouth, right? It's just sort of, right. it's just out there and it's sort of, lives lives organically and i think that's almost how it has to happen um yeah and, and that there's like, no time limit on it right you know yeah. there's no time yeah limit. that's another important factor. and things like Bandcamp and spotify where like if people just listen to it it starts to pop up more i think that kind of does it mm-hmm. right yes you're right and the video like it keeps getting i don't know how but it keeps getting like <laughs> creeping up and creeping up i'm like someone's watching it right like so how i'm Mm -hmm. you know i don't know who that's great you know (laughs) but it's you're right like algorithms or whatever it is yeah all right well let's talk about some of our favorite i hate to use the term girl groups (laughs) all female bands not I, i don't not necessarily like female fronted bands but all girl bands who are some of our favorites you know much as i was a little scathing towards the commercialization of those manufactured bands. I think they have a space and some of them, you know, have really stood the test of time and were game changers. And I mentioned them earlier, but I have to give a shout out to the Spice Girls. Mm. Still very occasionally give them a spin, um, you know, 25 years later or however long it's been. And uh, the, the nine, 10 year old in me is very happy about that. <laughs> Um, you know, and and then I look back and my, my parents were really children of the sixties and seventies. And, uh, you know, my dad had a lot of sixties compilation CDs when I was growing up. And so the Supremes really also hold a very special place for me just because I heard so many of their hits that way. Mm -hmm. And then as I was discovering the gaps, i.e. the eighties, um, and I know Stephanie, I think you said you were going to talk about them a little more. I really, really enjoy Bananarama. Oh gosh, I love them. Yeah. Completely unironically, I yeah. really enjoy them. Yep. They're a lot of fun. Well, I think, I mean, we even covered this last time, but just, just there's un- no one for me that could be more influential than the Go Go's. You know, that was just, that's why I started playing. And, yeah. you know, the, it's like almost like when I think of them, there's just, there's, it's like them above and beyond anything else and then everybody else. So the Go-Go's <laughs> are just my number one. And um, also really high on the list are the Bangles. And hmm. interestingly enough, like I saw them in like 1984 at the pier or whatever, and I, and I liked them and I always thought they were good, but I just never really came to appreciate how good they were until I got a little older. Maybe when I was around 29 or 30, I just started really listening to them and just was like, oh my God, like they, and live, they were so fantastic and they're, they could sing just like they can on the records, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the bangles, uh, were definitely, are, are an influence. And, um, and like you were saying, but I, I do agree about the kind of manufactured, but I'm more towards like banana rama. I mean, like I think deep sea skiving is there's not a bad song on that record. They're all great songs on that record. That first record is so cool. They're, they were so cool. Like just their whole look, their whole vibe. And with the fun, with fun boy three and, and their whole, you know, they just, they were super cool. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, I love the bangles. Mm-hmm. Like I've been a Bengals fan for a long time and not necessarily like some of the, the hits, you know, like right. Egyptian, I just don't give a shit about. And, yeah. you know, even the Prince song, which I think is a phenomenal song. It's it. And I love it. It's not my favorite Bengals song. It, it rarely makes it onto a Bengals playlist if I put one together, but I really dig their sort of like hippie flower power kind of like, um paisley underground scene that they come from 
Yeah. I love, I love some of their deeper cuts and some of their older stuff. Um, I saw them. Oh God, four years ago or something. They came around and I saw them and they were so good. Mm -hmm. Complex harmonies, you know, just that are hard to do live and, and they do them really well. They do. They're like effortless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's another, Oh, so speaking of, um, I don't know if you've, you've seen this record, uh, speaking of the Paisley underground scene, there was an album called three by four. And it was, it was four different Paisley underground bands. It was the Bengals and the three o'clock and the, the, what is it? What are they called? The rain society or whatever the hell they were called. Yeah. Um, the rain parade, the rain parade. And they all did each one of the bands did a cover of each other's songs. Yeah. So it's all songs by these bands played, not by the band, you know, that originated. <laughs> cool by, by the, uh, it was really cool. And uh, the Bengals did my favorite three o'clock song, Jet Fighter Man. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Um, there's another band that I discovered. Of, uh, God, I, The album came out in 2010. And uh, I was working at Barnes and Noble at the time, and we got this from the record label as an in-store play. And it was called, the band was called The Like. And their second album was called Release Me. And I started listening to it and I really got into it. Um, and until I discovered that the four girls that make up the band uh, weren't actually on the record, like two of them were, but then... You know, their like producer played bass and drums on the album. Oh, you know? really? Yeah, that was kind of disappointing. Um, but they're really good. I mean, it was great songs that were they were all written by the girl who fronts the band, um, Elizabeth Berg. She goes under the name Z Berg, and uh, she wrote all the stuff, and it's really catchy stuff, really great. It's like it's like Bengals or Go Go's, but a little edgier, like a little harder. Huh. And I really love it. So yes to the Supremes, mainly because I grew up with my brother, like obsessed with the Supremes. Um, also, I really love the, uh, and a lot of it is the production and I get it. I really friggin' love the crystals. Um, you know, um, some of that too is that they got really lucky in the eighties and they got put into a lot of films. Uh, Molly Ringwald got them in the pickup artist and like two other of her films. Um, so they got really lucky in that they got sort of in the eighties nostalgia thing. Um, and I grew up with my dad playing the Andrews sisters all the time, which is going back to the forties. Um, and just the way they did harmonies, but I, you know, there's a ton of these. Um, I, I love this band called Electrolane from, from Brighton. Um, they're just really fast and they're energetic, but I also love, you know, I'm also a big, since I'm a, a child of the eighties, I friggin' love the flirts. Right. Mm. Who also kept, they were in like Valley girl and a bunch of other things. They, um, they had, you know, jukebox and a couple of this thing, and they're totally an, an Itel Disco, Bobby Orlando, you know, band. But, but there wouldn't be a Spice Girls without a Flirts. Is or, that the Don't Put Another Dime? Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Yeah, they're friggin' great. You know, just all their stuff is just like really catchy as hell. Um, <laughs> also, um, uh, Fuzzbox, or we've got a Fuzzbox. We're going to use it. Oh yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a long story for a different day. And the only other, uh, I, I love the boredoms from Japan. And then the only show that I've ever been physically injured at um, and bled, but still stayed for the show was Shonen Knife. The first time I saw them um, who are absolutely amazing. Uh, and I think you got to work one of their records. I did. And you know, it's funny that you say the Shonen Knife because I was going to say that, you know, I appreciate Shonen Knife, but I and that I just feel bad because I worked them, but but I didn't I didn't really like them. And one thing about Shonen Knife that I I I kind of saw from sort of behind the scenes is that I think they were better. I think that they were better musicians than they um, let on to be, if mm -hmm. you know what I mean. And they were also very well aware of their, you know, kind of cute factor of Mystic, you know being from. Yes, the kitsch, exactly. And and really work that ankle. And God bless them, you know, for that. That that's wonderful. Yeah. But I, I think that they really had their smarts about them and really uh, you know, they, I thought I mean they were good and I really enjoyed seeing their show, but they just weren't yeah. a favorite of mine. But I know what you're also, saying also too, totally forgotten, but they shouldn't be babes in Toyland. 
Oh yeah. Also the Blake babies who are oh, the, Blake yeah. babies, the Blake babies are totally underrelated, under underrated. Even and the breeders. Yeah. And the breeders. Uh, although Juliana Hatfield is no Stephanie Seymour, but um, <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the thing about the thing about Shona knife too, is like, I saw them at CBGB, right. At CBGB's and seeing them in that context, like where they just were in, a punk rock venue where they could just like shut yeah. up and just play. Right. It was just um, like 45 minutes of just not talking to the audience and just playing. And I, you know, it's the first time I saw a drummer have bloody hands from, from playing the skins. It was yeah. just like a, they totally knew how to play the game, you know, I, but I yeah. think all these bands did really. I mean, I think everybody since the go-go's has kind of learned how to play the game. And I think the go-go's taught everybody and the bangles too. Uh, taught everybody like this is how you play the game this is how you do it right and i think that's, that's well it. one of the ones that hasn't come up yet and i'm kind of surprised because for the the sort of the modern sense of an all-girl rock band i know what you're going tell me you're gonna go with the runaways hell yes yeah i was, I was leaving, that yes. them. Yeah. I was leaving that for you i mean oh were you now no i was <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean they really set the template for breaking out of that like all boy club and and being that forceful voice of we're women fuck you and you know i mean they were just cool and girl school and girl school yes oh, yes i yes. about girl school i know me too um did y'all ever listen to the donnas yes yep yeah and one that i i know of but i've never listened to him kitty Kitty's I'm good. not a fan. Yeah. Yeah. It's also another really great one. I mean, outside of all the Riot Girl bands, like Bikini Kill and stuff, but I, I was a big fan of Velocity Girl. Um, mm. And, you know, Bikini Kill was just such a force of nature in terms of just like, they could have been on a major label. They said no. Um, yeah. You know, and... Um, they kind of started this hybrid where like, yes, they did their thing, but then we got like luscious Jackson kind of inspired by like bikini kill. Right. So we kind of mm. got a lot. And These then we're um, all on my list. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Northern, Northern state, this like really interesting, all white hip hop group of women I thought were great too. I mean, um, but again, the lineage, the lineage goes all the way back to the Go-Go's and the Runaways, pretty but, much. And I also made like a list of of, of um, sort of like R&B and hip hop because I feel like they, yes. like on Vogue, I have on my yeah. list, I have on Vogue, TLC, <laughs> Salt and Pepper, who I love, and Destiny's yeah. Child because that yeah. was a whole thing unto itself. You know, I have to have a mm. little aside. I, you know what the Loser's Lounge is? It's like, I was part of that. They still continue to this day, but they, they do... Um, cover shows of like they'll do this band or that band so and they'll they'll you know everybody will cover a song of certain bands or whatever but um my two of my friends and I did uh sort of like a takeoff on a send up but in a in a in a meaningful way of like Destiny's Child and En Vogue and we were called Ladyville <laughs> That's <laughs> so we awesome. covered a few I love songs that. as Ladyville but <laughs> I just kind of loved that kind of um sound uh, and I think that they totally deserve credit to, you know, like salt and pepper. Oh my God, just they're so freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting that you bring up Destiny's Child and more R and B side of that because I think with bands like that, you can trace the lineage back to the girl groups of the Motown era. Well, you're right. right? Yes, yes. So we, it's almost you're like right. you've got divergent paths here you've got kind of the the rock groups you've got the manufactured and you've got the, the motown and mm -hmm. um it's pretty cool when you start thinking about that and looking back at who influenced who and how it develops and diverges and adjusts i've i've always found that interesting with music in general but yeah take that with girl groups too i want to do a real quick shout out to somebody that rob mentioned earlier and that's slater kenny i freaking love them I see them kind of as the natural successor to the Runaways. Like they have that same raw energy and that same in-your-face attitude. And oh my God, I just love them. I think they're amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm excited because I'm going to see Bikini Kill in a couple weeks. Oh, and, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I think that like that people really haven't looked at the Riot Girl movement until except for like last 10 years um, as something really significant. But like a lot of these bands that are coming out now really um, got another. And Sleater Kitty were like in that movement. Right and heavens to Betsy, they were in, yeah, in that. And I think that 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 movement is really fostering more than people notice because, like, the one thing I think the Riot Girl movement did that people aren't talking about is that it it did spill over into other other genres. I mean, uh, there are there are like a lot of different artists that said we saw these girls that were angry and playing guitars, and we said, why can't we do that? So right. then. You know, right, roughly right after the rock movement, you have a huge increase in you know female hip hop, and you've got like just all these bands from different countries, fronted by women, and it's, it really did lead to some sort of kind of micro movement. Yeah, um, and don't forget like Lunatics and L Seven and stuff like that. Yeah, L Seven, you know, like, yeah, definitely. Around during when we were, like Aquanetas were around, like the same kind of th mm -hmm. and the bands that I was talking about earlier, like the Wives and and my friends. Uh, Yana Yana Chupenko, who who fronted Wench and P, her earlier band PMS, and then Wench. Shiny Mama. Oh we yeah, they so she was I mean outrageously amazing voice and just you know tough as hell you know. And she fronted awesome. a band called PMS. PMS was first I think, and then Wench, nice. and then Shiny Mama. Yeah, and amazing. a, a awesome. voice a voice like from the gods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember when Sleater Kitty broke. I went to CMJ one year and I saw them five nights in a row in five different venues. And wow. it was abundantly clear that this was going to be something. Yeah. And then, you know, I saw them last year. And then the last band I saw before the, the pandemic was Sleater Kitty. And they're still just as relevant and just as <clears throat> yeah. uh, angry. <laughs> well, I mean, the, that not, that's not a bad thing. No. no, I didn't say it was a bad thing. I know, but. One band I wanted to give a shout out to um, that I forgot about earlier, but and they've occasionally had guys playing drums, but their all-girl band right now is Warpaint. Oh. Yes. Are really interesting. I mean, it's kind of art rock, a little bit of psychedelic in there. Um, you can kind of hear some of the influences of like Public Image, Depeche Mode, uh, yeah, the Susie new, and the Banshees. The new record's uh, really a little different than some of the other stuff they're doing. You can really tell all the influences are all seeping in. I haven't heard it yet, so that's on my it's, list of things to listen to. Yeah, they're no, great. Not, they're no, great. it's on mine. I need to hear that. You haven't heard Warpaint yet? Mm -mm. I don't know. <laughs> <Nope>. Damn. <laughs> right? No, I just figured... Rob's throwing shade here. What's no, <laughs> wrong with me? <laughs> well, no, I just figured they would have. That's okay. No, I haven't. No. All right. Well, we've all got homework to do this yeah. week. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, you know, this one of the things I love about the show is is introducing people to new things, even if that's each other, you know? Yeah. Anthony and Rob always bring up stuff that I'm not familiar with and yeah. I have to go listen to and and it expands yeah. my education and I, I love that. I also love uh Saturday Girls, which is an Irish band. Mm -hmm. Um Pins, which I don't think are around anymore, and Savages. And then for a while, there was this little knockoff band called the Pipettes um, <laughs> that just kind of filled out. They had one album, and after that, they kind of they kind of fizzled out. But yeah, Savages is kind of like in the same vein as War Paint, but like with m much more noisier. Mm -hmm. I think their yeah. their um, references are probably more closer to hard rock rather than and well, punk than. Speaking of hard rock, I can't believe I didn't think of Vixen. Vixen! <laughs> Vixen! Come you on. might be the first person to think of Vixen in like 30 years. <laughs> oh, Vixen. Oh, Vixen. Yeah, there was something else. All right, so I guess that's going to wrap it up for our discussion this week. Um, thanks for joining us, Stephanie. It was so good to see you and to catch up with you. Thank you so much for having me on again, you guys. And we're going to have we're going to be seeing you again pretty soon. Yay! I'm so excited. You like me. You really, really <laughs> like me. <laughs> well, as we've all determined, Stephanie totally rules. I think I see that on the screen. Right? The viewer will not know what we're talking about. The listener, I should say. Exactly. So, uh, Stephanie, where can people find more of you on the internet? 
Well, you can just go, uh, find me at on my Bandcamp page, you know, Stephanie Seymour on Bandcamp. And I also have a, just a uh, therearebirds.com website because there, there Are Birds was the album that I was that I put out previously um, right before this single just came out. But I have a page on that website devoted to There Was a Time. So, you know, you could find it there too. Yeah. And just all those regular platforms, Spotify, whatever, you know. <laughs> exactly. Find her on Spotify. Find me anywhere. Facebook, you, you, Instagram, whatever. I'm there here. There you go. You won't find any of the rest of us on Spotify, sadly. <laughs> but you can definitely find Stephanie on Spotify. <laughs> and your husband, too. And Bob Perry. Who, who has a new album out. His album is called A World Like This. And it's, I mean, again, like, I know he's my husband and everything. But and I'm not just saying this. His album is unbelievable. It's amazing. A World Like This, Bob Perry. Find that also. Awesome. Anthony, where can people track you down? So you can't find me singing on Spotify, but you can find me podcasting on Spotify. That's true. So you can find two of us on Spotify. I didn't think <laughs> well, about that. And, and Rob as well, because this show goes out on Spotify. There you go. Um, That's, okay, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah as as usual you can find me on the watchers in the fourth dimension podcast watching our way through all of doctor who from 1963 until now we have as of uh this week just started off season 11 so we've hit late 1973 early 1974 and um it's john pertwee's final season so you can find us on all the usual podcasting places, including Spotify, but also iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Deezer, wherever you really like to listen to your podcasts. We're probably there. <laughs> Rob, I know people are looking for you. Where can they find you? Uh, I have a MySpace page. <laughs> <laughs> are you on LiveJournal too? Yeah, and I'm on LiveJournal, <laughs> and uh, I'm also on Hamster, um, or Napster. <laughs> Um, no. So, uh, speaking of Spotify, I, I, every month I do a playlist of new music called juxtaposition selected, uh, just because I mainly get so much annoying new music that I can't play in two hours every week. So you can look for that, uh, on Spotify. Um, I'm on all the regular platforms and, uh, I also host juxtaposition on KDHX, uh, in St. Louis. It's on Wednesdays from seven to nine central it's streaming um it's on the radio too but it's streaming if you don't live in the area and also um if you want you can go to the webpage kdhx.org and all of the shows on kdhx are archived for two weeks you can get two weeks worth of shows it's an excellent show i love it and i have another podcast called earth station trek it's a star trek podcast and we are currently reviewing each week's new episode of strange new worlds and I write stuff and publish stuff under the name Cosmic Press. And you can find that at Cosmic, K-O-Z-M-I-C, press.com. And on Facebook and on Twitter and probably on Instagram, even though I don't post anything there. So, you know, I need to, I need to step up my Insta game. <laughs> you do. You really I do. I know. I really do. I mean, I've got to embrace all this shit. I'm not... I mean, all the kids these days have moved on to TikTok, so you're already one platform behind. Oh, I, I totally, I, I'm not, I don't. I even totally realize that, and I've got to, I've got to start ticking and talking. Or I, I downloaded just... TikTok and immediately hated it. So. I know, I did too. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I hate this fucking crap. <laughs> anyway, so we will be back next week talking about Britpop, and uh, we're looking forward to that since we actually do have a genuine Brit on our panel. We could have and two then, if Jarvis Cocker would show up. That's right. <laughs> exactly right. Damn and, it, Jarvis. And after <laughs> that, Anthony will be out of the country again. So Stephanie will be back with us. That's right. All right. right so I wholeheartedly ever... approve of my replacement. So. Except I don't have, I'll try to get the British accent going on for you. For you. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody have a great week. Thanks for listening. We will be back soon. Take care, spread love, do good in the world, and we will be back again. So we'll see you then. Take care and rock on. And as we all say, Stephanie rules. <laughs> did you see I wrote you all rule? Oh, I did. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> that I thought happy. that was a hip hop band. <laughs> this has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. 
Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.